Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. around the world. I'm your host, Joe Cristiano, and this is your antidote to popular talk radio. Folks, it's time for us to take back control of our government. Now, before this bureaucratic, oversized, and self-serving federal government starves us of our property, our freedom, our rights, and our liberty. But to do this, we must shed conventional thinking regarding our political structure. We need to be revolutionaries in thought, dissidents in action, only after we recognize what our government is doing to our freedom and our constitution where we start taking it back. And this program is just about that. Today, we're pleased and honored to have a returning guest, Mr. Jacob Hornberger, the founder and president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, an educational foundation that enhances, advances the libertarian philosophy and, quite frankly, an organization that I have proudly supported for many years. Uh, Jacob, are you there? I'm here. There you are. Okay. Jacob, do you mind if I take a minute and and just give you some of my concerns about the speech that Trump gave last night, and then you can go wherever you want to go or just expound on it? That'd be great. Okay. I'd love to hear your perspective. Well, I mean, and and this, I just jotted these down. It took me, didn't take me 30, maybe a minute to to write it. Uh, I thought to myself as he's speaking, what happened to the principle of avoiding foreign entanglements. Then I said, well, do we have a declaration of war against uh, Afghanistan? Although we're not at war with the government somehow. Um, He never talked about the strategy to win other than more troops. And then when I thought about that, I thought, well, is it our troops or is it contract troops? I understand the increasing number of contract troops. I said, what is the cost? Uh, have we balanced our budget? 
have we not exceeded the budget ceiling and have we raised the budget ceiling in order to accommodate the increase in cost? Um, and by the way, how long before we win? Is this going to be a six-week war, six months, six years, six centuries? I don't know. Um, we've had 17 years with no results, so we're doing what only insane people do. We do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Um, and how about he never talked about the number of casualties, not only physical casualties, but even more so the I should say more so as bad is the mental uh, casualties. Those boys that are coming back. And I think uh, Dr. Ron Paul talked about 35 soldiers commit suicide a day after being in foreign entanglements that they don't understand. Um, are we not emboldening terrorism? How does this reduce terrorism? Um, uh, why us? Where's the rest of the world if this is such a tragedy? Um, what, what if we lose and we go into a stalemate? What's our exit strategy now? Um, the dollar keeps on losing value. And how is he paying for this? And my taxes are going to go up. Am I going to lose value of the dollar? I tell you, I can go on. And I, I just sat down and just, I couldn't write fast enough. You know where I'm going with this. I, I, I literally told my wife, and she's a sweetheart. I said, I'm going to bed early. I can't take it. I went to bed. And I, and I got one of your little books on the Freedom, 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 Future Freedom Index books, and I read a chapter and went to sleep with that last night. I really did. That's the God's honest truth. <laughs> it made me feel a little better because I felt like I was reading some sanity instead of listening to insanity. Please help me out. I'm literally clinically depressed at this point. Well, I hope it's not that our booklets put you to sleep because they're so boring. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Quite on the contrary. <laughs> and, and if you're looking for me to prescribe some cyanide capsules for you, I, I, I can't do that. <laughs> but but uh, am, I, am I way off base? Am I just so skewed in one direction that I'm thinking? And of course, people in the studio here are going, yes, you are. You know, you're because they're all Trump supporters in the studio. You know, I mean, he can he can kill somebody in cold blood. They go, wasn't he a great shot? You know, I, I drives me nuts. So. Help me with this, please. I need some support. <laughs> well, I think all the points you made are absolutely 100% valid. And those are the points that, of course, we libertarians have been saying uh, ever since the before the invasion of Afghanistan. We knew it was going to be a disaster. We said it was going to be a disaster. And the, the only reason why they want to keep staying in there now is, is not to, quote, win, uh, I mean, they don't even have a definition of the word win. They they want to avoid the stigma of, quote, losing. I mean, they're so scared that the Taliban, the regime that they ousted, and as you point out, an undeclared and therefore illegal war of aggression, uh, might resume power. And then therefore the Americans will see that foreign interventionism is the bankrupt philosophy that it has always been, that they they think, well, we'll just keep some troops there and hope to just at least maintain the status quo, even if some troops have to die. Uh, at least the Pentagon stays face, the, the CIA stays face. And I, and I think that's something really important to focus on, that we're not just talking about Donald Trump. You know, Trump creates the appearance that because, and all presidents do this, that because they're president, they're in charge. I don't buy it. 
I, I think the real power in Washington, D.C. lies not with the federal courts, not with the Congress, and not with the president. It lies with the national security branch of the government, and it really is a branch of the government. Uh, we're talking about the Pentagon, the CIA, and the NSA. Uh, Trump had made it very clear before he was elected to, that he was going to pull out of Afghanistan. He had criticized uh, Obama for leaving troops there. He said, this is a futile exercise. People are dying for nothing. We're spending money for nothing. Bring them out. And now that he's president, he's been absorbed by the national security establishment. He's now part of them. They took him over. He has surrounded himself with generals. I mean, this, this regime is looking more like the Egyptian uh, military regime uh, than certainly the type of government that America's founding fathers bequeathed to us. And that power structure, uh, by the way, uh, there's a great book called Double Government uh, by a scholar named Michael Glennon who documents this, that, that this is the real power in Washington, the Pentagon, the CIA, and the NSA. And they've absorbed Trump. Uh, they, they've made him part of them. And those are the people who benefit from this, uh, Joe. These are the people that have the big military contracts, the projects all across America. Their power continues. Their influence continues. When the inevitable terrorist blowback comes from killing more people in Afghanistan, they're going to say, oh, it's because they're Muslim. No, it's because they hate our freedom and values. But it's all going to be because of this continued foreign interventionism. And then that means more power for the military-industrial complex, more contracts, more color codes, more destruction of our liberty, our privacy, and, of course, as you point out, more destruction of our currency through out-of-control federal spending and debt. At this point, it's clear we're going to have four more years of Bush Obama. There's just no question about this. I mean, all the hopes that people had, including libertarians and some conservatives and many liberals, that he was going to end this forever war have now been dashed. It's over. And, and I don't know what can change that except for maybe some massive protests and demonstrations, the, the type that got us finally out of Vietnam. And, if it hadn't been for those protests and demonstrations in Viet on the Vietnam War, I think the Pentagon and the CIA would still have us there, uh, fighting, killing, dying in a forever war in Vietnam. And thank goodness for those protests and demonstrators. And I think that's the only thing that's going to uh, uh, that's the only going to pull us out of Afghanistan today. I I, I really feel that. Uh, uh, the, the foundation for, for all of this is the way the American people think today. The concept of critical thinking, of, of taking a subject. I went to a meeting this morning, and I was listening to various people speak about you know, Trump's speech, and they all praised how eloquent he was, how presidential he was, and that you know he had a plan, and now we're going to win in Afghanistan. And I kept my mouth shut, literally for about a half hour. They went on and on and on. I couldn't believe that they can talk about this stupid thing so long. And I said, well, what is the plan? Well, we're going to send more troops. I said, well, how is that going to win? They say, why have to be so negative? I, could, I just ask a good question. And every question I asked, they got angry. I mean, when someone got angry saying, why are you asking that question? I said, well, I don't understand what you're saying. And uh, why would we win now when we didn't win before? And where are we going to get the money? And it was like, where did this guy come from? Well, what kind of stupid question is that? No one could answer one question. And literally, the meeting ended almost in, in, in discord, if you will, to, to put it lightly. And everyone just left. And I sat there and I went, 
boy, I just asked some questions and everyone got really disjointed. And I, I blame this not on the people themselves, not that they're Republicans or Democrats or independents or whatever, but the, their inability to, to take a subject, remove themselves emotionally from their prejudices and say, what are the facts? You know, what's historically what has happened? Are we following the same paradigm as previous empires? Are we near the end? All these questions that you can ask if you study history, if you, if you study geopolitical matters you can, and, and exercise some thinking, you can come to the conclusions, and those conclusions are very libertarian conclusions. And they can't go there. They cannot break. If they're Democrats, they will think along that line. If they're Republicans, you cannot – they will not give any – blame for anything to Trump at this point. And um, I fear that our main enemy today is the inability of the American population to think critically, because if they did, we'd all be out in the street tomorrow. I I, I couldn't agree with you more that that there's a sense that the national security state is sacred. It's sacrosanct. Uh, You're never supposed to question his judgments. It's the experts when it comes to national security, and they know things that we don't know, and thank the troops for their service because they're defending our rights and freedoms. And if you question any of that, I mean, even if you say, how are they defending our rights and freedoms? There's nobody in Afghanistan that's threatening our rights and freedoms. This this is a straight civil war that is involved there. Uh, Same thing in Korea, straight civil war. Same thing in Vietnam, straight civil war. People don't want to hear those kind of questions. They don't want to hear those kind of critiques. They, they consider them unpatriotic, maybe even treasonous, that you're supposed to have this blind support for the ruler and his military establishment. And as long as, as you're just nodding your head, then you consider yourself a nice little uh, citizen. You're doing your duty. You're supporting the troops. You're supporting the president. You're supporting the Pentagon, the CIA. And heaven help the, the person that comes along and just asks a simple question like, where is this going? What is its purpose? What is the legality of it? What is the morality of it? It's like that little kid, you know, with the, bir- the king's birthday suit that, you know, everybody's over there praising the king for his new birthday suit. And, oh, look how beautiful it is. Look at the colors and all this. And some kid pipes up and says, he's naked. He doesn't have anything on. <laughs> well, people get outraged. You get right. angry. Why, you traitor. I dare you criticize the king by questioning his birthday suit. Yeah. The same thing we got have going on here, Joe. Yeah, yeah and, and he never addressed the fact that there are more and more uh, contract troops going to Afghanistan. And um, <clears throat> there's even talk about having a completely private force in Afghanistan headed by, believe it or not, a viceroy, where they came up with that, I don't know. And they would run the whole thing. And this is actually being considered in Washington from what I have read. And I, of course, it it could be all incorrect. And do do you know anything about that? No, I know that they're proposing it. And I I think uh, Bannon may have been proposing it before he left. I'm not really sure about that. But this is is nothing new. I mean, this is the the French uh, Empire and its foreign legion. Where the, the foreign legion, they, they draw people from different countries to serve in the foreign legion, and then they send them out to fight in these foreign wars. I mean, it's all designed to keep Americans pacified here at home. It's, it's like bread and circuses. It, 
that, you know, we're going to give you welfare. We're going to take care of you with Social Security and Medicare and Obamacare, and we're going to give you sustenance. Don't question what we're doing overseas. Uh, that that's our job. We can we can handle this. And, and mark my words, Joe. The next time there's a big terrorist attack, including here on American soil or in Madrid or England or any of the partners of the U.S. Empire, uh, they're going to come out and say the same thing. They hate us for our freedom and values. They're, they hate us because they're Muslims, all the Islamic religion, and all this trite that we've heard for you know 16, 17 years now. The only reason there's anti-American terrorism is because of U.S. interventionist foreign policy. Now, if Americans say, look, uh, we'll pay the price that we, we want to be killing people overseas, we want intervention, we want to establish our regimes in these foreign countries, and we're willing to incur the price of, of terrorist blowback, okay, that's one thing. I don't agree with that. But why live the life of the lie? Why say, oh, the terrorist attacks have nothing to do with the fact that our forces are over there killing people, torturing people, abusing people, uh, supporting tyrannical regimes, um, and, and oh, it's all because they hate us for our freedom and values. I mean, let's confront reality. There is a price to pay for U.S. foreign interventionism. One price is uh, foreign retaliation in terms of blowback, terrorist retaliation. We saw that on 1993 with the World Trade Center. We saw it with the attacks on the USS Cole, on the U.S. embassies in East Africa, 9-11. Orlando, San Bernardino, Madrid, it goes on and on. And then we have the price, as you point out, out of control federal spending and debt. I mean, look, look at how much the debt continues to rise. They're not trying to rein in spending at all. That's going to bring a crash. It's inevitable. Look at Greece. Look at Puerto Rico. Uh, look at all these countries where out of control debt has plunged the country into bankruptcy. And then we have the loss of our own liberty. Madison points us out that of all the enemies to liberty, war is the biggest at the hands of your own government because it encompasses all the rest, the centralization of power, the infringements on liberty, the infringements on privacy, the power to assassinate Americans, the power to indefinitely detain Americans, to torture Americans. All these totalitarian powers have come about because of U.S. interventions. Yeah, and you know... It- if, if, we, if we had a few days to talk about this, we, we'd have to go back to why we think this way, why we're not protesting, why we don't throw these people out of office because they're, they're, they're not tru- truly supporting America. They're supporting the military industrial complex or their own pocketbook. We have to go back to government intrusion in all aspects of our lives. We can start with the school system with social security breaking up helping break up the family the school system teaching kids things that really don't teach them really how to become individuals but become subjects of the state and and every other welfare programs food programs and all that that all converts to us thinking differently about government and our freedom and our reliance on government thus we believe everything the government says because if we don't then we lose our privileges with the government and then we have to listen to what they say and this is this it's probably a history of about over a hundred years of government intervention that has led us to where we are now and i don't know how you unravel this monstrosity that we've created because we are no longer a free people we are consumed with 
government is – we won't move. We don't even breathe unless we get something from the government giving us permission to breathe, it seems. And so, you know, I, on this program, I have many financial people. We talk mostly about, you know, economics and finance and subjects such as we're talking about today. We don't talk politics like Republican, Democrat, and stuff like that. Um, and what's interesting about the people that I have on, many of them are multimillionaires, some are billionaires. There's one thing that most have in common. None of them live in the United States anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, that's got to tell you something. They live in Hong Kong, believe it or not, Beijing, Singapore, um, uh, Argentina, Chile, I, you name it. They live there, and they don't live here anymore. They're out. I mean, I think they see far enough into the future where they realize staying here is really uh, – even Peter Schiff recently – bought a house in Puerto Rico, although that's still the United States, it's a territory, he's one step removed and feels safer there than he does in Connecticut, although he still has his house in Connecticut. But, you know, they must know something that we're not following. And I'm, I have now, I've always been concerned about our political system because I always thought it was going awry. I have never before been scared. And, and this is the first time, admittedly, I have to say, Call me a weenie if you want. I'm actually afraid of what's going to happen with this guy in office. And not that he, he caused it all, but he's exasperating it. Yeah, I mean, he's the, the worst kind of president that you could have uh, when things are on the edge of the knife, of, of, of the major ca- catastrophic-type crisis. I mean, he's erratic. He's unpredictable. He, he gets angry very quickly at the drop of a hat. People can taunt him into making quick snap decisions. And so when you've got the possibility of a war in Korea, uh, it's, it's uh, ominous that this guy is in charge. Or when you have the, the prospect of an economic collapse, I mean, it's crises that furnish the potential for dictatorship. I mean, that's where dictatorships thrive is when they're crises. I mean, this is, this is how the North Korean dictatorship thrives. Whenever there's a crisis with the U.S., they easily mobilize public opinion. Uh, they, they're doing the same thing in Venezuela when, when Trump threatened to, to invade Venezuela. Maduro immediately starts mobilizing the populace for this, this crisis. Well, they, they've learned from the U.S. This is, this is the perfect way to do this. And, I, and I'm glad you raised things to a higher level because I think that's what we need in this country. It's not just a matter of you know getting rid of Trump and putting somebody else in. You've got a structural problem here that that Americans have to come to realize that the entire form of government and the economic system and the foreign policy system that we have are totally opposite to America's founding principles. I mean, America was not founded on the principle of a welfare state or a regulated interventionist economy. It was founded on a free market principle. And America wasn't founded on the principle of a warfare state, of foreign empire and foreign interventionism. That's what we have today. And, and you hit the nail on the head with government schooling uh, or even the whole government-supervised educational system. Is that this is where they teach people that the welfare, warfare state way of life is freedom, that nothing's changed. So you have these children that are indoctrinated from the first grade all the way through the 12th grade, up through college. By the time they become adults, 
They're convinced that this system of the welfare warfare state is free enterprise, it's a free society, they express gratitude that they're free, that the troops are defending their freedoms. Along come us libertarians and we say, ah, you see, because we've achieved a breakthrough. We, a breakthrough through the indoctrination that enables us to see that this is not freedom. It's not free market. It's not free enterprise. It's the welfare, warfare, state way of life, foreign interventionism, empire, and the welfare state, and so forth. And so we at least provide that hope that, hey, there's a solution here. This is what we keep telling people, but it's a structural solution. Uh, I think that the plight of the American people are best encapsulated, uh, is best encapsulated by that great quote by Johann Goethe, that none are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. And I think that's the big problem we have in this country is that most people believe they're free. Now, having said that, it's not all bad. I mean, you look at the, the Ron Paul phenomenon when he ran for president. You had hundreds of thousands of people self-identifying as libertarians that suddenly surfaced. I was shocked. I didn't know the movement was that big. And I recently saw an op-ed in the LA Times that mentioned a Pew Foundation poll that showed that well into the 60 percentile of people are now questioning foreign interventionism and the occupation of these foreign countries. And that their answer to the Pew uh, pollsters was, look, it's time for America to start minding its own business. Well, that's a phenomenal thing. And so I think that what might be happening, Joe, is that under the radar screen, there's masses of people that are starting to rumble and say, enough's enough. And that all you need is a catalyst to bring this movement to the surface. And I think if that happens, all of a sudden, you're going to see some major changes in the way this country operates, at least in terms of foreign affairs. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure um, institutes such as the Future Freedom Foundation, it slowly but surely, you know, maybe stealthily, is are, are moving that help moving that 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 mindset, and hopefully this radio station is a pod station is doing the same thing. Hopefully, but I, I know you are a greater influence than we are. You, you, I know you have a great influence on many many people, and and. It's so slow, it's almost as if it doesn't exist. It's, it's not happening. But maybe it's happening and we're, we're, we're all too anxious to say, well, we should be making more progress. I think it was in one of your articles, your, your op-eds, where you talked about if, if the United States withdrew from South Korea altogether, all the troops, South Korea would start dialogue with North Korea. And they would work out their differences if the United States totally withdrew and became transparent to the North Koreans. And that would also please China at the same time. Um, and they would, there's even a possible in a long term of, of a united Korea, provided that no foreign country was intervening in either North or South Korea. Was that your op-ed? It was. And I, I firmly believe that, that the, the crux of the Korean crisis lies with the U.S. government, and specifically the Pentagon and the CIA, who have kept troops in that country. They should have never intervened in the first place. This was a straight civil war, which was no different from the Vietnam Civil War. But they sold it to the American people in an undeclared war, which therefore made it illegal under our form of government. Uh, the Constitution requires a congressional declaration of war. They sold it and said, well, the communists are coming to get us. 
The Reds are going to take over America. And this is just a first step in the dominoes falling, which was tripe. It was nonsense. This was a straight civil war. And after the civil war was suspended, the U.S. should have come home. But they kept troops there. And why? Because they want regime change in North Korea. That if, if, uh, if you were a North Korean and you knew that the U.S. was intent on doing a regime change operation there, like they did in Libya and Iraq and Afghanistan and tried to do in Syria and have done all over the world, then you would want a nuclear weapon to serve as a deterrent to that. That's why they're getting nuclear weapons. Right. If you bring American troops home, get the government out of that part of the world, suddenly the, the need to have nuclear weapons disappears because the U.S. isn't threatening regime change anymore, and they're not threatened by regime change. This is one country of Korean people. Uh, they have family members across the borders. It's clear that North Korea does not want to start a war with the South. They know that the South is much more powerful militarily, economically, and yes, then the potential starts for talks, for interfamily visits, for peaceful negotiations. But as long as the U.S. government's involved, that's not going to happen because the North Koreans hate this government so bad for what it did during the Korean War, flattening Korean villages, killing civilians in mass, carpet bombing the entire country. They will never forget or forgive the U.S. government. So the only solution is bring the troops home and leave Korea to the Koreans. Now, on the other point about the, about people, where they're coming out and this stuff, you know, about your show and our foundation, Joe, there's no doubt that ideas on liberty have a power that are immeasurable. You know, it's impossible to say who's more influential, who's uh, influencing more people. It's irrelevant. What matters is that we discuss these ideas, we put them out in the marketplace, and then let them just transmit out to people. There's a reason why, keep this in mind, there's a reason why totalitarian dictatorships shut down people like you and me. And the reason is because they know that ideas can bring down even totalitarian regimes yeah. just by them transcending to society, transforming people's lives, changing their mindset, and all of a sudden you reach a critical mass of people that says enough is enough bring the troops home from everywhere, dismantle all the military bases overseas, bring all the troops home, discharge them into the private sector. And now you're talking about a way of life that leads to freedom, peace, normality, prosperity, and of course, freedom. Yeah. You know, in, in his speech last night, um, he, he spoke presidential, as they say, but uh, he, all he talked about was, uh, he glorified uh, uh, war, uh, the military, uh, his appreciation, and he spent so much time saying that. He said the groundwork was there's nothing more honorable than, than going into the Marines, going overseas, and killing people. I mean, you, you can't find a higher order of humanity than that. I mean, this is, this is the message he was giving, and that was exactly the wrong message. He should have said, you know, we appreciate our soldiers, but we don't appreciate them enough and to show our, our appreciation. We're going to call them back home so they can come back to their families and lead those countries to themselves. And, you know, as, as they say, if uh, products, if, if goods 
uh, cross borders, soldiers don't, or something like that. There's a saying. Yeah, and, if, so, if goods are not permitted cross border, soldiers will. Yeah, yeah. And, and so why don't we just do that? We, we know all the principles, but if the military industrial complex is running the country, then I see absolutely no hope unless there's an actual revolution, groundswell of a revolution by all the people where there's no way that the military industrial complex could control things any longer. And that's going to be a real messy affair. Well, yeah, and on Trump's speech, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Hillary Clinton could have written that speech, and right. she really would have felt comfortable delivering it. I mean, that's how pathetic uh, Trump has become, is that he's essentially doing exactly what Hillary Clinton would have done, and he's betraying the people that he led the, to believe that he was questioning these foreign wars, questioning the need to be sacrificing more troops, to be killing more troops, and when you look at you know, the, the, the soldiers, the American soldiers, the best friends that they could ever have are libertarians because they've come to the conclusion, almost certainly, at least the smart ones, and their spouses and their children and their parents are, have come to the conclusion that they're fighting and dying for nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's not to protect America. America's not under the threat of any foreign regime coming over here and conquering the United States, that they're dying for foreign interventionism. And I, I think that as more and more people realize this and you reach this critical mass and it rises to the surface, I think that no matter how powerful the military-industrial complex is, they cannot withstand that kind of shift right. in, in thinking among the American people. I mean, we saw that in the Vietnam War. If it hadn't been for those massive demonstrations, the Pentagon and the CIA would still be in Vietnam. There's, right. there's no doubt their forever war there would have continued. And now they're fighting this forever war in Afghanistan, the Middle East, Iraq. If, 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 if Americans reach that critical mass to say no more, they can't stand up against that type of critical mass. No regime can. Yeah. Now, Sally, you must have a question because you're a Trump. You're a Trump. I think this is Mrs. Trump. I'm going to give you Mrs. Trump. Uh, you, know, you, you, you must have a, a, a question, Mrs. Trump. I, I don't think, Sally Trump. I don't think everything is Trump's fault. I think it's our government's fault. I'm voting for Hillary next time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I think she's right. I mean, I, I, I don't I don't think in terms of this is Trump's war and uh, like the, the news media right. is now saying that this is, this is no longer Obama's war. And this, I, you know, for years, 20 years, I, uh, 28 years, I've been running the Future of Freedom Foundation. I've had people say, oh, we just got to elect better people to public office. Well, you know, every time a new guy is elected, they think he's the better the guy that they've been looking for, and that was Trump. Trump was the man on the white horse. We have finally found our man. So he was the better people, the public office that people have talked about. Not in everybody's eyes, but certainly in enough people to get him elected. This is a structural problem that as long as you have a national security establishment, and that, that was they, – they converted the federal government – and after World War II, from a constitutional republic to a national security state. Now, what's a national security state? It's the same type of, of structure of government that exists in totalitarian regimes. Giant military, permanent military establishment, a secretive intelligence force that has the power to assassinate and affect regime change operations. As long as you have that structure, it doesn't matter who's in office. 
you're going to have really bad results. You're going to have foreign interventionism. You have all the things we're seeing. So what Americans have to be thinking about is at a higher level. Should we restore a republic to our land? Should we repeal the National Security Act of 1947? Get rid of the CIA. Get rid of the foreign military empire. Get rid of the military-industrial complex, as, as, an, as Eisenhower called it. And I think that's the only solution. Now, of course, there's the other side, the welfare state side. But I have always contended that the biggest threat to our freedom and well-being lies not with the welfare state side, but with the warfare state side. Yeah. You know, when he – Sally, you have, you have any questions? Well, you know, when he ran for office, he said so many things that I agreed with. He said, you know, uh, uh, our involvement in Syria, you know – was ridiculous you know we should shouldn't be there now we have six bases there um he criticized so many things and then he did exactly what he criticized when he got into office and uh, yeah but no one has called him out on it no one said hey wait you said you weren't going to do this and you're doing it you know and it's it's like the emperor has no clothes. You don't mention the fact that he has no clothes, you know? Oh, it looks beautiful. That's a beautiful outfit you have on, you know? And we're doing the same thing. The emperor has no clothes. It's the same scenario. And yet people who voted for Trump, you know, because of the big, fat, ugly bubble that was created in the, in, in the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the stock market in general, you know, now is a thriving economy. It's, we just changed the names around. George Orwell called this. I mean, there, there are certain, certain, several books and uh, uh, movies that have been uh, uh, very successful in, in, in characterizing how they took the, 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 something negative and they made it positive, you know, and, and, and how people believed it. And they, they started repeating the mantra. And we're doing the same thing. It's scary. It's like reading a book. <laughs> Yeah, it, it really is the cult of the personality that, that you would think that people who voted for Trump because he criticized the war in Afghanistan, he said this is ridiculous, it's time to come home, that you would think those people would be angry, feeling betrayed. But Trump has now been absorbed like a, into the national security blob. I mean, it's really fascinating how the, the military and the CIA just absorb these presidents into their blob and make them one of their own. And yet among Trump supporters, you don't see any outrage, any anger over this betrayal. You say, oh, we need to do exactly what Barack Obama was, was doing, what Bush was going to do, what Hillary Clinton would have done. Right. Keep troops in Afghanistan. They're his supporters. Yes, master. Yes, ruler. We love you. Whatever you want to do, we support you. Instead of standing with a principle and saying, hey, wait a minute, we voted for you because you were going to get us out of Afghanistan. Uh, we're now going to oppose your new policy. Uh, no, it's just the cult of the personality. We, we love our dictator. We will support our dictator even when he betrays us. Yeah. You know, I, I, one of our board operators just put a note on my desk, and he's a diehard conservative Republican. He said, I'm voting for Hillary Clinton next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it don't be any different. You know, you I guess. I don't know. It's the same point. <laughs> yeah. uh, Obama, I mean, it's just uh, they really what we got to start thinking of is a structural change because electing these interventionists and pro empire and pro welfare, warfare state people, that obviously is not getting our country anywhere. Right. All right. I, Sally? I got the feeling 
Indians talk, we don't know what the strategy is exactly, but I, I just got the feeling that he is determined to get over, do whatever it is we have to do, and get out. Now, that was what I gathered from the his talk. I'm all in favor of that. I hate that we're there to begin with in Afghanistan and Iraq and everywhere else. But if we can just do what it is, whatever they want to do, get it done, make it safer, get out. And that's what I gathered from, from his discussion last night. Anybody else? There is nothing <laughs> that can be done. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. If something could be done, they would have done it in 16 years. Nothing yeah. can be done. Foreign interventionism is an inherently defective paradigm. If they would have done it in Vietnam, they would have done it. Um, that when you start interfering in the affairs of other countries, you start killing people, that, that this thing is ending up with nothing but darkness. And as long as they stay there, the darkness will continue. And so that's, that's the thing. They're holding this carrot out, like in the, in the dog races at the racetrack where they put a little rabbit out in front of the right, dogs to keep right. them running. That's what they're doing here. They're yeah. holding out, oh, there's a secret plan. Oh, we, we can do it. Just the victory's around the corner. Just stick with us. Mm-hmm. It's nonsense. Nothing can be done to make this thing work. And once you realize that, once you come to that realization, you stop believing what they're saying. It's all trite. It's all lies designed to save faith and power and money for them. You, you, you've talked me into it, but I, I still don't blame Trump for everything. I, I just blame well, he's not, bl- he's not blaming Trump. Uh, he's not blaming yeah. Trump. He's just saying that Trump mm-hmm. is not correcting the situation. He's just now part of it. Mm-hmm. He's not blaming Trump for Afghanistan. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's face it, 16 Trump. years ago, he wasn't concerned at all. He was more concerned about the 14 bankruptcies that he went through. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know I, 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 think, I think if Trump would have said, you know, enough is enough. And I said this is what Obama yeah. should have done. When Obama came in, he mm-hmm. should have said, look, Bush had eight years. Um, it hasn't worked. It's time to come home. And if the Taliban take over in, in Afghanistan or ISIS takes over in Iraq, so be it. Or if Assad stays there in, in Syria, so be it. Uh, that bad things happen around the world and, and uh, the United States can't be the policeman of the world. If Obama had done that, Americans would have supported him. And mm-hmm. so Trump yeah. had a chance here. I'm not blaming him. I'm mm-hmm. just holding him responsible for not complying with his word. And, and, yeah. and I think he's showing a big lack of wisdom. Here he has a chance to change direction. That's why people elected him, because he yeah. appeared to be yeah. a change of direction, a change agent. He could have said they've had 16, what, uh, eight, 12 years to, to get their act together in Afghanistan. They haven't done it. I'm bringing every single soldier home. No more soldiers are going to lose their lives or limbs. Uh, I think Americans would have been relieved. I think the troops would have been relieved. They would have said, oh, the, the, six, the 12-year nightmare is finally over. Now all he's done is say, we're going to have a 16-year nightmare. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, do I hold him responsible for what's happened in Afghanistan? No. But I hold him responsible for not pulling the troops out, assuming he does have that control. Uh, maybe maybe he doesn't have that control. Maybe the military and the CIA won't permit him to, to issue that order. But that's the real shame of this, is that he had an opportunity to change directions, and he has chosen instead to keep the Barack Obama Bush 
paradigm going. That's the real sad part of this. Yeah. I, I hope not. I hope not. But yeah, I, I agree. You you've uh, nailed it. But <laughs> I'm I'm gonna hold out to see. Well, it. yeah, you you still have hope for uh, me, but I don't mm-hmm. see it. I, I read in the paper today yeah. that that given given his propensity mm-hmm. not to admit mistakes, yeah. now he has said that he's committed to Afghanistan. How does he turn around a year from now and say, well, I made a mistake. I'm pulling the troops out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not that kind of man. And so it, it's like it's inevitable that now we're living with four more years of an o- occupation of Afghanistan. We have to start looking out to the next person four years from now, which is pretty sad unless there's this uprising among the American people. That's where I hope. I place my hope not in Trump. Now, because I don't think he's capable of changing his mind when he when he recognizes he made a mistake. So I think he is stuck on, on Afghanistan now for four years. I think my hope lies with the American people, because if Americans reach a critical mass that says enough's enough, bring those troops home, and we see some massive demonstrations, then you're going to see this issue. Trump will comply with that sort of thing, and so with the military, because we saw him comply with it in the Vietnam War. I think that's that's where my hope is with the American people. Yeah, you know, we, uh, we see one of the biggest retorts that I hear is that, well, if we if we don't fight them there, we'll be fighting them here, which is ridiculous. And they say, well, you know, then it, um, 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 but but they're terrorists. But from their perspective. We are the terrorists. Look at Yemen. We're supplying Saudi Arabia with billions of dollars worth of military equipment, and we're using our own drones to bomb Yemen. Yemen has never been a threat to us. Now, and yet we bomb these countries, and there's no declaration of war by Congress to do so. We did the same thing in Syria. Trump criticized us even getting involved in Syria. Now we have six bases in Syria Where's the outrage by Congress? Where is Congress talking about these things? Why aren't they talking about the, 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 the president has overreached and he should be stopped? And if he doesn't, we'll impeach him. Yeah, it's a fascinating question. It's like I said earlier, I think the real power of this government lies with the, uh, the Pentagon and the CIA. They have assets in, in Congress. And uh, so, you know, Congress is scared to death to question anything they do. If they question one military project in their home district, all of a sudden everybody goes ballistic that this is an ineffective congressman. The military is now threatening to cancel a project in their district and jobs for your community. And so it's impossible to measure the power that the military and and intelligence establishment have over American life. Uh, They are in control. And uh, they're the ones who benefit from all this. I mean, this, I call this the greatest terrorist producing machine in history. I mean, this is nonsense that they're killing them over there before they get over here. There never was an anti-American terrorist problem until the U.S. started intervening in the Middle East, which was coincidentally after they lost their official Cold War enemy in the Soviet Union. But then they go into Iraq. They start killing Iraqi children with sanctions. Uh, hundreds of thousands of children, right. and uh, they killed a multitude of Iraqis during the Persian Gulf War, um, and they stationed troops near Islamic holy lands. They knew precisely what the effect was uh, this was going to have on people in the Middle East, and and they even told them when when they when they brought the terrorists that bombed the uh, 
the World Trade Center in 1993, he said in his sentencing hearing, if you guys were the butchers, he says, you can call me a terrorist all you want, but look what you're doing killing innocent children here in Iraq. And he said, this is what motivated him right. to come over here to kill us. And that's the point, is that as long as the national security establishment can stay over there killing people, they know there's going to be retaliation, the threat of retaliation, which they can then use as the excuse to maintain their power over the American people. The only solution to this, Joe, is bring the troops home. Stop the interventionism, and then all of a sudden the anti-American terrorism disappears. Uh, Then we have a, a life of normality, of peace, prosperity, and harmony with the people of the world. And I'm going to end this program on a high note because the way all empires end is because they run out of their money and other people's money and they collapse financially like the Soviet Union did where the soldiers in Eastern Europe were selling their uniforms so they can buy bread to eat, you know, and that's exactly what happened in every empire, including the Roman Empire and the Greek Empire and the British, almost the British Empire almost went that route, but they went the same way. So it looks like the way this is going to end is when we financially collapse and have to bring the troops home or maybe leave the troops there because we won't have enough money to, to bring them home, unfortunately. But I fear that's that that's the that is the end result of all empires, and it looks like we're heading for the same place. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope we're smart enough to figure this out, bring our troops home, make peace around the world, trade with everyone, and bring back our principles of of peace and liberty. Uh, very well put. I, I couldn't think of a better statement. And I want to point out, Joe, that. That Ron, the Ron Paul Institute's having a second annual conference at the Washington Dulles Marriott Airport yes. on September 7th. Last year was a sellout. I'm going to be speaking at it again. They're going to be addressing the things that you and I have talked about in this show. I mean, this is the burning issue of our time. Yep. This, this is where the freedom of the American people, the economic prosperity, our economy, everything turns on this issue. And, um, and so I would invite people to go to the Ron Paul Institute's website. It's September 7th. Fantastic lineup of speakers. Like I say, last year was a sellout. So if you want to come, you better sign up early. Okay. But Ron's raising this issue, the same thing you and I are raising, because he knows how important it is to our freedom and our economic well-being. Okay. Uh, Jacob, it's always a pleasure. One of my favorite guests. I love having you on. Um, I, I do hope you will accept our invitation to return at a later date and we'll pick out another subject or you can give us an update. And please feel free, if you'd like, to place this video on your blog, you know, uh, uh, that, that you uh, publish every single day, of which I read many of those articles every single day. You keep me pretty busy reading. <laughs> I almost yeah, have to read until, uh, you know, I, I make sure I read your blogs. Yeah, we've got our FFF Daily, which is, we consider the best libertarian editorial op-ed page on the internet. It's free for the asking. Yeah. I write a daily blog, and you darn too, we're going to link to this show. And it's a real honor and pleasure, Joe. Thank you All for right. having me on again, and I'd be happy to return whenever you invite me. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much.
Folks, this is the end of today's broadcast. We'd like to thank our sponsors for the financial support, and we'd like to thank you for listening in. You can further the cause of liberty by recommending this program to your friends and let us hear from you. Our email address is comments at libertytalkradio.com. Remember, as my wife would say, you're either allowing your liberties to be taken away or you're striving to protect them. Unfortunately, there is no middle ground. Until next time, this is Joe Cristiano. You've been listening to Liberty Talk Radio. Stay well. Stay tuned. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.